Well, good morning, you lovely people. You look at you people. Oh, this is good. Um, I'm out of shape. I, uh, I just come up the stairs. I'm sore today. Um, I'm walking like a 90 year old John Wayne, just kind of all, my legs feel like there's no muscle in them. It's just steel in there because on Friday night I spent three hours on all fours putting a basketball hoop together. How lame is that? That just three hours hunched over down there and now I am a broken, messed up human being. I, I am... I am awful, and, and I didn't know it at the time, but my wife um, captured some footage, some video footage of me when I was returning from the project uh, into the home just to cr- collapse in bed for the evening, and take a look what she caught. It's, it was really horrible. So there I am, crawling back into bed, and... All from a basketball hoop. I, I've never been skillful at all with anything having to do with my hands. I can't fix stuff. I can't build stuff. It's just not any part of, of who I am. But, but that's okay. Um, we're, we're all unique. We're all different, right? And uh, we've been talking about the, the diversity of people. And you look across this room and all sorts of people, when you go out to dinner or lunch or, or just shopping later today or something, you just look around the diversity of people all over the place and uh, so many different uniqueness. And I, and I like that an, an awful lot. Uh, the, the great theologian, Dr. Seuss, uh, said, today, you are you. And that is truer than true. There is no one alive who is youer than you. And I like that an awful lot. Um, God has made every single one of you uh, unique. Uh, he has fashioned you uniquely. And um, I, we, we've been spending a lot of time um, coming around the uniqueness of people, what God has been doing in the hearts of people, what he wants to do. All the more in our hearts, as we encounter Jesus, he goes to work on us. As we engage deeper with Jesus, he works on us still. Uh, he continues to empower us to, to serve him and, and to serve others. And this journey with Jesus, we've said, is transformational. He doesn't want to just grab a part of us and then be done. But he wants to transform us in the way that we behave, in the way that we think, the way that we speak, uh, transform our purpose, transform our perspective. And when we begin to, to look around at the people around us, that he would give us his eyes for people. We talked a couple of weeks ago just that God would give us not a worldly regard for people. But rather, we would regard people the way that Jesus does. That we would ask God, God, would you give us your eyes for people? That when we look at people around us, when we look at ourselves, would you enable us to see people the way that you do? And then treat them accordingly. And it begs the question, though, uh, how, how does God see people? How does God see you? 
And we could spend an awful lot of time talking about the differences between people. A, a lot of time that we could talk about the, the differences between those who follow Jesus and those who don't. But, but what are some of the common threads for people in general? Uh, how, how does God see all of us as humankind, believer or not, follower of Jesus or not, young or old, rich or poor, anything in between? What are some of the common things that we would all share from God's perspective? And once we come around what, what it is that he sees when he sees us as fellow image bearers of God, all of us are made in the image of God. Then God, would you give me your eyes toward myself in this way that we're going to look at? And then would you give me your eyes with regard to the people around me in the way that we're going to look at today? That it might change the way that I live. Psalm 139 is where we're going to be today. If you have your Bible, open up to the book of Psalm 139 or you're watching uh, online, you got a tablet or uh, an app on your phone or whatever, open up and, and go to Psalm 139 about midway through your Bible if you're not real familiar and this is a psalm of, of David, uh, the famous king of the Old Testament. And some Jewish scholars, many of them actually believe that Psalm 139 is the most excellent of the psalms and, and certainly one of the most excellent of the psalms that David wrote. And his story uh, is one that knows the roller coaster of life. Uh, last summer, we spent looking at the life of David. He was one of those guys that when he was on, Fire for God, he was really on, and when he was off, he was really off. Uh, he had uh, just moments of great success and great failure, moments where everything was going right for him, and moments where uh, even his own family was just kind of falling apart. And so uh, he knows the roller coaster of what it is to be a human being. And what he describes in this Psalm 139 is so key, it's so powerful. Because really you get these amazing uh, doctrinal truths about the character of God in this psalm. You, you, you get that God is omniscient, he knows all. That he's omnipresent, that he's everywhere all the time. And that he's omnipotent, he's all powerful. And David is just coming to terms that God, you're, you're one that is everywhere always and you know everything about me inside and out and you're that way with everybody. And so what he does is he makes a matter of fact a matter of prayer in this psalm. God, if it's fact, and it is, that you know everything, and there's nowhere I can go that you aren't there. Because that's fact, now I'm going to go to you in prayer. I'm going to engage deeper with you so that what I know about you here in my head would find its way to my heart. And if it finds its way to my heart, Lord, then would it find its way to my hands, my actions, my, my, my everyday living? And so here are some things uh, that, that I think David wants us to catch from this psalm that are true about his perspective, God's perspective on you and God's perspective on people around you. Psalm 139, verse 1 through 6. David says, you have searched me, Lord, and you know me. 
You know, when I sit and when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You're familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Hold on for a second. Uh, Allow the truth of God's word to soak in for just a moment with regard to how all-knowing God is. There are times in life where it doesn't feel like God is familiar, uh, God is aware, right? You have those moments where you're just going, God, if, if you knew really what was going on, certainly you'd step in, and it calls this into question. Maybe God doesn't know. Maybe he's not paying attention. And, and yet the reality here that David's zooming in on is, is this thought. God knows me better than I know me. Soak that up for a second. I mean, do you really believe that is true? That God knows you better than you know you? I hope so. Because there's going to be so many different moments in your life where where your own thinking and your own feelings toward yourself are going to, they're going to change. They're going to be unhealthy. And it's going to be easy for you to base your identity, who you are, based on what you think or what you feel or what other people have said about you, what culture says about you. And what a, what a sad thing that would be if that's where we stay. Because then your identity, the very nature of who you are is up for grabs every single moment based on how you feel or what you think or what somebody else has said about you. When your maker, your creator is the one who knows you best, he knows you better than you know you. Now, now for some of you right now, that. That's a great comfort. Others of you, you're going, wait, he knows. He knows. He knows about that. And suddenly, um, this is a heads up. This is not comfort to you. (laughs) David continues on in verse 7 through 12. Uh, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise in the wings of the dawn... If I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. Where can you go from God? Where can you flee from his spirit? Again, another opportunity for great comfort. There is nowhere that you can go to escape God. Or a great cause of concern. There's nowhere you can go to escape God. But the truth, I think, what David's driving at here, quite simply, is God's not left you alone, nor will he ever leave you alone. And again, there are huge moments in life that call this truth into question. There are people that you know that will wrestle with this right here. 
and wonder, okay, I know God exists, but he he doesn't want anything to do with me. God has not left you alone. He has not left me alone. At your greatest mountaintop experience or your deepest, darkest regrets and failures, God does not leave you or forsake you. He will not. My dad that passed away at 48 years old of a heart attack way too soon is in the presence of God right now. And, and he is not in my presence, but he's in God's presence. And yet I'm in God's presence as well. I'm in God's presence here on earth. My dad that is no longer here on planet earth is in God's presence. If that is true, and it is, then where in the world can I go to flee the presence of God? This is huge for us. Just to remind yourself that whatever it is that you're going through, you don't have to walk it out alone. These are not rocket science truths, right? These are simple, but they're deep. These are simple, but they're profound from God's perspective. David dials it in a little bit more, verse 13. He says, for you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Uh, you, you were designed. You were fashioned. You were knit together. You weren't just thrown together. You're, you're not the product of some uh, cosmic assembly line where God's just cranking out human beings with a complete disregard for uh, the uniqueness or the differences. What, what David's saying here is, God has made me unique. God has made you unique. I- incredibly. The, 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 the moment in history that you live in is unique to you. Uh, your, your experiences, your passions, your heart's desires, your family upbringing. Uh, your personality, your skill set, your spiritual gifts, all these things come together to form the unique you. And I believe that God has put you here on earth at this moment in time to do something that only you can do. God has made you incredibly unique. And not just unique, because sometimes... When you meet someone that's weird, you say, yeah, they're pretty unique, just to be nice. But I think, kind of anticipating that, David says in verse 14, I praise you, God, because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. You you are a uniquely wonderful creation of God. The, the people around you, whether you like them or not, are a uniquely wonderful creation of Almighty God. How many of you woke up this morning, looked in the mirror, and went, hey, you are wonderful. You, <laughs> you are a wonderful creation of God. But to put it another way, David might be saying this. 
God's not made any mistakes on you. Uh, Girls, women, in a culture today that a million different times a day, a million different ways, individuals, media, you name it, communicate to you that your value, your worth is only in this, that, and the other thing. This is what God says is true about you. Guys, same sort of thing, maybe a different set of issues. God's not made any mistakes on you. And when I start allowing these truths to soak in just with regard to myself, it starts to go to work. When I then say, okay, give me your eyes toward myself, God. And now if this is true about me, it must be true about the rest of your creation. Would you give me these eyes to see the people around me? Verse 15 and 16. David says, my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Church, I hate uh, cliches. You ever go through something really tough or really miserable and some well-meaning friend or family member comes up and says, well, God's going to use that for some sort of purpose. You just want to punch them right in their <laughs> face. And, and yet the reality is an awful lot of cliches are birthed because there is at least a seed of truth in them. And, and what David is reckoning with here with regard to a God that knows everything, sees everything, all powerful He's acknowledging, you, you've made me, and, and then therefore you must have plans for me. God's got plans for me. He, he's got a purpose for me. That you were put here for a reason. And that was be, to be a blessing to God and to be a blessing to people. And, and so beginning to come around that, even in the purposes and plans in your life that you have not chosen, you don't particularly appreciate, uh, that this is really huge and, and, and key for us. He's got plans for you. He wraps up this prayer the same way that he started, taking a matter of fact, God, you know me, you know all, and so... I want that to affect me. Give me your eyes with regard to myself. Give me your eyes with regard to the life around me. Please, let it affect me. Let it change me. I want your life to be my life. And in verses 23, if you skip down in 24, it says, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and then lead me in the way everlasting. You know me inside and out, God. So tell me what's really true about me. Not what other people say or what I think or feel. You tell me. You define me. 
You're my maker. You're my creator. You are the way and the truth and my life. Now, God, search me. And then, God, would you help me? Would you help me see people the way that you do? Not so much what divides us, but what we have in common with people. And some of the common threads, just in summary here, are this. And just sit there for just a second and soak in that from God's perspective, here are some things that humankind shares with each other. Yes, differences when it comes to those that are following Jesus and not, but here's what we share. All image bearers of God share these things. And you allow that just to sit there with you for a minute and shape the way that you see you and you see the people around you. I think it will begin to level the playing field. That now when you begin to uh, interact with people or minister to people, it's a whole different ballgame. Because you see what God sees first, and then you see what you see second. I want to close our time this morning with a, a dear friend in the faith uh, that is worth having a few minutes of conversation with this morning. She's a huge blessing. Would you give a warm heights welcome to Julia McNew? Julia, Julia, have a seat. Julia is one of my favorite people. Um, it wasn't too long after I, I came on staff here that we got to uh, meet and interact. And then about a year and a half ago, um, we start to connect up at the office every so often and just hear some of her story and some of her, her journey. And uh, it's a phenomenal journey uh, in her relationship with Jesus and in her, her interaction with other people. And uh, just wanted to uh, share this amazing woman who is a part of our Heights family here uh, with all of you. So, Julia, are you doing okay? Yes. Good. Thank you for having me. It's, it's my Thank pleasure you. and privilege. Yeah. Uh, let me get to you. And you get to me, and I think we will be fine. Yes, I agree. I agree. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, Julia, um, would you just give everybody here, I've got uh, so much of your backstory and personal story. Would you just give people here just a few minutes of your backstory, some of the, the highlights that are important for us to get to know you? Okay. Sure, I will be happy to do that. Uh, I was born and raised in South Texas. South Texas. South Oof. Texas. Ugh. I'm very proud of that. Yeehaw. But I have spent much of my life in Washington State. Uh, high school, college, I have a double major in political science, 
Pilar. Oof, I'm sorry. That's uh No, I did it by choice. <laughs> by choice. It has always been a deep, deep love of mine. And my major my hero was a former state senator. Hmm. So it was just a perfect yep, yep. transition. So that's so great. It was wonderful. And then, uh, about eight years ago, I came to here to visit a girlfriend. Here in, in Prescott, uh-huh. Prescott area, and um, God had other plans. I stayed <laughs> and never went back, and this has been my home. Awesome. Ever since Awesome. Just to put you all is, I have cerebral palsy. For you all who do not really know what that is, uh, it's a condition that happens either before, during, or slightly after birth due to lack of oxygen to the brain. To this day, I have never met anyone with CP the same way. There are similarities. You can usually tell when somebody has it, but um, to have it to the same degree, it just really doesn't. So it's not a disease. This is a result of the... Right. Low oxygen oh, right. to the brain. So what was your story with that? My story was I was caught in a book here. Okay. It died through these four sets. Uh, got me out. Had hope that I could not breathe for 25 minutes. Wow. So they told my parents, expected to be vegetable mentally and physically. Wow, they were wrong. God had a good plan. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> so, That's awesome. Yeah. So good. Super good. Yeah. So eight years ago, you move here mm-hmm. and you decide to make this home and uh i know that that a number of people have impacted you in mm-hmm. in your journey yeah. um but there are a couple in particular uh that that since you've been here have been an impact on you can you talk to us about that yes uh, i have been here for about a year and a half and I constantly a myriad of, of circumstances, not easy, not pretty, not um, anything I wish to ever go through again. But I have always been a Christian. And, and so when I was established here, knew this is what I call home, um, I just really pay and say, okay, Lord, what's next? The fall of 2012, um, there was a Bible study taught, taught in A Bible study just over here in, 
H3. one of the other buildings, H3. Okay. Yeah. Tapeno Waters. Nina Waters, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, um, it was just her in the Bible with her own story. And she got up and she said, I have been an heart, bread out, and then several other things. And she said, but God, but God, but God, but God. And I remember looking at her and saying, Lord, if you you can set her free, then you can do this. Same for me. Mm. Uh, a short time later, we met for coffee, and we struck up a very sweet and dear relationship, and we have brought your past of life as friends, as sisters, as confidants, as... I've been here, I'm going to walk you through it. And now, uh, um, God is just so good in that way because I've been able to do the same things with her. In That's so great. Areas. That's so great. So, very sweet. Very Nina's a special person. and Yes. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. That's great. And then somebody else I know that uh, many here might be familiar with has had uh, an impact. Yes. About the same time that Naya came into my life, so did Chris Simning. Yep. Chris Simning. Yep. And he has spoken to her several times, mm-hmm. many times, and just his broadness, his ability to communicate not only as a disabled man, but just as a fine character of what God can do in life, taking it with brokenness and not having it be so derogatory, but really realizing through his story in my own Story. It, being broken is exactly where God wants all of us. And I'm not talking about a disability or whatever, but, and, but if you look in the, in the Gospels, how Jesus wanted to feed the five thousand. We were only two, two fifths, five hours of bread. He took it and broke it, and it said a multitude. And that's what he wants to do with all of us. And so, Chris's story, I have been able to, to embrace my own life and my own story because this is exactly where God wants all of us. Yeah, we're all, all broken. Of us. Yeah. 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 And, and, awesome. and, and if we allow Him to do what only He can do, hmm. 
It is more beautiful than my words could ever describe. That's awesome. Their life verses, Nina's life verse and Chris's life verse, really dovetail even with Mm -hmm. with yours, correct? Yes. Nina's life verse is Isaiah 55. Isaiah 55. Uh My words are not your words. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. This is like those is First Corinthians one. I take the obscure things of this world to sing the wise. My life verse is Romans eight twenty-eight. For we know that all things must be dead again. To those who Love God to those who according to his purpose. And so again, how God can say, my path is different than your path, but our goal is the same. Mm -hmm. And that is... That's awesome. That's so cool. That is so good. Well, Julia, as we wrap this up, what, what's God stirring up today? You've been walking with Jesus for a long time, but you're, you're kind of in high gear right now, <laughs> pressing in a lot deeper. What's, yeah. what's he stirring up in your heart? Yeah, yeah, I've been a public speaker for a long time, mainly in the secular government environment. Yeah. And, um, I took some time off. This is your group. We start to see, what, see how God heals some areas in my own life. And the, the CP has nothing, nothing to do with it. Yeah. So now to come back in a place that I love, with people I love, that God has put me with and I'm just let's see let's see what it does this is the beginning and it's a great start a great start well that's the thing because God uses the people around us to be a blessing and to help us on our journey and we we all need each other right well (laughs) Are you just singing that song? People, people who need people. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Barbara yeah. Streisand, here, hey, Julia, yes. come on now. What is wrong with Barbara? Yeah, no, that's good. But, that's true, yeah. though. That is so true. But, yeah, you was in that song as I've been preparing for this weekend. It, it, it is that we do need each other and we need each other's stories to pour and to come alongside each other. Yeah, yeah. Well, amen to that. Julia, we need you and hugely um, you need to hear from me and from all of us. You're beautiful inside and out. God's not made any mistakes on you. And it's our privilege that you're here.
awesome. <laughs> Julia, um, can I presume upon you, Julia, to pray for us as we wrap up our time? Awesome. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for this day. Thank you for everyone in this room. Maybe now that you have a plan and you have a purpose for all of us to just where to walk, how to walk, and how to come alongside each other. In your, in your precious and holy name we pray. Amen. 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 <laughs>